0: The daily tap is live for tuesday we are talking about Devonte adams and joe Barry with the coco we are going to wonder if the packers can survive with both of them out with one of them out we'll talk about both and what the impact may be we will talk about the bucks uh beating the pacers and just some thoughts generally about the books we're gonna do probably some bucks over reaction stuff with Mitch. So we're not going to do too much on Milwaukee, but I do want to talk about a few things regarding the Bucks, And then lastly, uh, the Milwaukee Brewers get set for their offseason. The inevitable Josh Hader trade discussion will be hot, will be something that will be discussed. We'll look at that. We'll also look at maybe Lorenzo Cain being potentially on the trading block as well. Some interesting uh, discussion topics there from a great piece from Will Salmon. So good show today. Follow us on all the socials, uh, rate, review, subscribe. We'd really appreciate more reviews, more ratings. I know it can be a hassle, but it just helps us. It helps people understand what we're doing here. I think that we have a great community. I'd love to see it a little bit more. Um, Just show the love. Um, And we are trying to do some Twitter spaces here and there, Um, basically like post-game hangouts. Uh, We did one for the Packer game on Sunday. We'll do another one on Thursday. And we're going to do occasional box games that sort of matter. So, like, playoff teams. Like, Indiana, to me, was not a space-worthy team. Now, granted, I was way behind with work and all sorts of shit yesterday. So, I I was in no shape to do a space. But, yeah, like, we're not going to do a space for the fucking Timberwolves on uh, tomorrow. Even though the Timberwolves playing better basketball. They did lose the Pellys last night. But uh, we're not going to do a space for the Timberwolves. Sorry. All right, let's talk about Devontae Adams and the Coco. So Devontae Adams is out with COVID 19. There's no word yet on if he has symptoms, there's no word when Devontae Adams got tested. Um, Devontae Adams is vaccinated. So that means Devontae Adams gets tested once a week. That's sort of what the NFLPA agreed to. I'm not sure if this is the same for coaches. Um, Joe Barry obviously also diagnosed with COVID, which we'll talk about in a second here. But so who knows if Barry also falls under that same umbrella. Although they did say Barry was pretty much out for Thursday. So that would lead me to believe that either Barry has symptoms, Barry's not vaccinated, or that Barry got tested right after the game. I don't think it's the second one that he's not vaccinated because he is, not, he is uh, not wearing a mask. And I believe there was somewhat of a vaccine mandate for NFL coaches, if I'm not mistaken. I think the Packers did not have any issues with that. There's no Nick Rolovich situations or Brian Harson. I didn't realize the Auburn coach also has said he's not going to get vaccinated. And he has to decide because there's a mandate with the university. It's here and right there. We're not talking about those. What we are talking about is if Devontae Adams and the Packers can survive without Devontae. It's a huge loss. Um, it, there's no wor- way around it, right? Losing Devontae Adams, losing the best receiver in football is always going to be a loss. Now, if he can play, that would be excellent, but we're not going to know that until... Wednesday. He has to produce two straight negative tests. We again do not know when Adams got COVID. So let's just assume that we are not going to have Devontae Adams on Thursday. It makes our lives easier. I don't want to put out this hypothetical, oh, well, maybe, maybe he can play. I feel like that's just unrealistic. And I don't think the Green Bay Packers offense is going to plan with him. I think what Matt LaFleur will do is he will look at what he did against New Orleans, what he did against Atlanta last year without Devontae Adams and dive into that playbook. He'll also look at the you know kansas city game from the year prior where he didn't have devontae adams they had multiple games in 2019 without adams so lafleur will definitely you know peer into those old uh you know strategy sets and be like all right what can we do what can we bring into the fold how can we how can we survive without him now green bay is six and oh without adams green Bay has done well without their best player now, that speaks to Aaron Rodgers, right? That That is a direct correlation. If Green Bay didn't have a quarterback like Aaron Rodgers, I don't think they're 6-0 without Devontae Adams. Green Bay also has a great play caller. I, I've seen some of this where people should be talking about LaFleur the way they talk about Kyle Shanahan, which is absolutely true. LaFleur gets absolutely no credit. It's because he's in Green Bay. You know, my dad had talked about Mike McCarthy. He's like, I can't believe how many people are just finding out about Mike McCarthy and some of his failures. And I'm like, yeah, we live in, green- it's Green Bay, man. It's like, we don't play for a pre, even though we're a very public team, they don't spend a ton of time with us. It just doesn't move the needle like Dallas does, like Tom Brady does, like Mahomes does. So there's not as much talked about. Lafleur is an unbelievable play caller. And I th- I feel very confident that Matt LaFleur can create an offense schemed around not having Devontae Adams. It will be a lot of inside out. I listened to that with Trent Dilfer about Kansas City. So you're like, wow, Charlie, you sound like a real football analyst. Well, I thought Dilfer made a great point. He was talking about what was wrong with the Chiefs. And he's saying how the Chiefs are not inside out anymore. The Chiefs are, it's all outside. It's all flashy plays. It's all verts. And so everybody's clamping down on it and that the Chiefs need to get more inside. That is exactly what the Packers, A, do do right now and why the Packers are still successful. But I do think that this will also help Green Bay get even more inside out because there'll be more emphasis on running the football. There'll be more Aaron Jones, A.J. Dillon involved out of the backfield. I think you could see some split back sets. I think you could see more tight ends. I think you'd see Tunyon and Mercedes Lewis out there at the same time running a little more 12 personnel with one single back. I think you could see, you know, Marquez Vallis-Scantling being back is a major lift, but I still, Alan Lazard and, and Scantling will have their could have their way. I, we'll see if Byron Murphy from Arizona's playing. I didn't look. See if he played on Sunday. Um, Murphy is an integral part to their their secondary, and they've they been good. I mean, they're second against the pass in DVOA. So it's not like Arizona's as such. That's before last week, but I, I shudder to think anything would change uh, after a game against Houston where they won by 26 points. So I, I really do think that the Packers can be all right without Devontae Adams. I'm not exactly like shaking in my boots that Devontae's not playing, mostly because we've done it before. I'm not saying he adams his injury prone. I'm just saying there have been moments without him. So Matt LaFleur is an amazing play caller. I trust Matt LaFleur in this situation. I think this is a great situation for Matt LaFleur to be in. You have MVS back. Uh, so all of those reasons, and you have Aaron Rodgers. It would really help. If David Bakhtiari was back, I, I'm not expecting it. I'm really not. Like I, I get another guy who I think they're planning without, um, it would really be a huge boost if Bakhtiari decides to play. Not, to, I shouldn't say it like that. If ba- Bakhtiari plays like that, to me, would be major. That that will make me feel even better. Um, if Bakhtiari doesn't play, yeah, maybe that's going to be a problem. But Green Bay needs to run the football a lot more than he did uh, last week against Washington. And if they were on the football and they play that sort of inside out, that short passing game approach, I think Green Greenback can win this game. Like the fact that the line uh, went up to the Packers being a six point dog is fucking ridiculous. Like if you are someone who doesn't bet regularly and you're just like, I'm only an NFL backer, like grab that six right now. Don't even think about it. Grab the six. I Fuck, I would even tease it maybe. Tease that with the over. I, I think you could do a lot with that six right now because that is a ridiculous line. And it, it's just an overreaction to Adams uh, going down with the Cocoa. Speaking of other people with the COVID symptoms and everything like that, Joe Barry also down with COVID. It seems like, as we mentioned at the start, Barry's not gonna be involved with Thursday. Um, why that is, I'm not sure. Maybe it's because he got tested yesterday and that was popped with the COVID symptom. Obviously, you, you could tie it to Adams, you tie it to something else. Who knows, right? It will, that's a story for another time. Bummed out about that. Barry brings a ton of energy, ton of fire on the sidelines. Barry, I think, has done a really good job this year. I think Barry deserves a ton of credit for where the Packers are defensively. Um, he's not a guy that I think should be blamed for really anything. Even if the Packers were to lose to Arizona this week, and let's say Barry didn't have COVID, I still think that Barry you know, deserves a ton of credit for what the Packers have done defensively with out a lot of guys like you're out jair alexander you're out Sedarius smith uh you're out you're out preston smith last week and you held the 10 points and you get got a pass rush like that those things are fucking impressive for barry and his coaching staff and my guess is they will go with Jerry Gray or Mike Smith calling the defense. I'm not sure which one. I think Mike Smith is on the field. I don't know about Jerry Gray. I think Jerry Gray is up in the booth. I know Matt LaFleur likes to have his coaches on the sidelines. So I guess maybe they go with Mike Smith. Mike Smith has also a ton of energy. Remember, Mike Smith, I think he broke his nose. Like he, he headbutted Zedarius. No, nah, it wasn't Zedarius. It was, it was a Preston or Rashawn Gary. It was Rashawn Gary. He like headbutted Rashawn Gary, and I don't know if he broke his nose, but it was a it's a pretty brutal collision. So like Mike Smith has definitely the energy. Um, So maybe they go with that, and Jerry Gray is you know up above, and so it's a kind of a combination between Gray and Smith, and they sort of are your defensive coordinators for the game against uh, Arizona. I'm not necessarily nervous about this. I, I like those two guys have been there for a while. Like Jerry Gray has been in football forever. So is Mike Smith. Like these guys are professionals. These guys also know you know, they have an opportunity to show what they can do as a leader of the defense, right? Like Mike Smith and Jerry Gray, let's just say they hold Arizona to 17 points and the Packers win 28 to 17. Let's just throw out a score. They win 28 to 17. That to me will look good for Mike Smith or Jerry Gray when coaching season comes around next, that people will pay attention to that and say, all right, well, they held Arizona to 17 points. Like, especially if Let's say San Francisco decides to move on from D'Amico Ryan's or Seattle needs a new defensive coordinator and they're like, Well, they slowed down Arizona, and Arizona got, you know, to the playoffs or they got to the championship game. Like, we need that guy. That could look really good on a resume. And those guys know that. Those guys are fully aware that if they show out and they provide a good game plan against Kyler Murray, that they're going to get a ton of credit. Now, these coaches. With the When they get, they're diagnosed, that's the word I was looking for. They're diagnosed with COVID. They can't be like involved with anything, which makes no sense. Peter Schrager was talking about this on Bill Simmons' podcast. Like, it's not like these guys are unvaccinated rooms. Like, they're vaccinated people and somehow they cannot be involved. Like, they can't have Joe Barry on Zoom, you know, walking through the game plans. Or maybe they can and then during the, on actual game day, they can't have Barry involved in anything. I think that's it. But again, that that doesn't make a ton of sense. Why can't Barry, you know, from his house, be involved with at least relaying some information of things he's seen? Like that to me seems unfair, but I don't know. It, it's dumb. This whole COVID thing is, is dumb. You guys know how I feel. I haven't done a COVID corner in a while, as my friends like to joke, where... I did rant a lot about COVID back in 2020, probably too much, if we're being honest. Like I, I think I didn't do a good enough job of, you know, keeping those thoughts, A, to myself. Um, not that I have anything wrong with vaccinations. I'm vaccinated. I have no problem with vaccinations. Um, I've, I've went back and forth on the mask stuff, whatever. You guys don't need my profile with COVID. I will say this. I asked a friend of mine who's a doctor, and I said to him, I said, hey, like, does it really make sense for people to get vax, who are vaccinated to get tested still and he just said you know I go back and forth on it you know if you're young and healthy kind of like at what Adams is there's really no reason for you to get tested like there's you a very little chance of getting sick um, you very mild symptoms at best um, you the viral load or he said something like they shed the virus pretty quickly. Um, so not the viral load, uh, they, they shed the virus pretty quickly. So it's like, they don't stay sick for too long, even if they get COVID and they're vaccinated and if they have a strong immune system in the first place. So that actually should give you some hope with Devante. Now, older people, who knows, maybe as you get older, it needs to be more of a focus as you still could get sick. You know, people have still died, even though that they're vaccinated at, at an older age, So I I think it makes no sense for the players to be tested. I think for the coaches, maybe a little bit, but I I really don't think you should test anybody unless they have symptoms or they're unvaccinated. And from the lack of masks on the sidelines, I think the Packers are a pretty vaccinated squad. Um, That was not necessarily reported. I don't think the Big Jays at Green Bay really sought that out. But there, it doesn't seem like there are a ton of people that are unvaccinated on the Packer roster. So that's really good. That's what. That's definitely what you like like to see. We'll see what happens more. Hopefully we'll have some more news on this today. Uh, Mitch and I are doing uh, the Tab the Keg this week. We're gonna talk a lot about contenders and second half storylines for the Green Bay Packers. Um, so we kind of get into that second half as we start this game against Arizona. Game eight of 17. All right. Let's move on to the Bucks. The Milwaukee Bucks got a nice win yesterday. They beat Indiana one hundred nineteen to one hundred and nine. The Bucks are. 2-1 and one for the season, or 3-1 and one for the season, excuse me. 2-1 and one on this road trip. Uh, it was very nice of them to get this win. Uh, Indiana has been a team that the Bucs have dominated, really, for the last few years under Mike Budenholzer. Um, it's a team that just doesn't seem to have what it takes to play against the Bucs, whether it's a level-up in competition, whether it's the guys they have on the floor. The Bucs always seem to play really well against Indiana. And this one is more impressive because the Bucks, like the Packers, are very banged up. They are playing without half their roster, it feels like. Uh, no Bobby Portis, no Sammy Ogilvy, no Brooke Lopez, no Drew Holiday. Like those are integral parts of the Bucks, and all of them are not playing. And A, the Bucs still scored 119 points. And B, they pretty much had that game in hand. The Pacers got hot late and made a good push in that fourth quarter. But even then in that fourth quarter push, the Bucs found a way to slam the door. Similar to what we saw in San Antonio where San Antonio would get close and the Bucs would be like, ah, I don't think so. Not this time. Uh, there's that one. I think that's like an unsolved mysteries meme where the guy's like, ah, "I don't think so." Not this time. Or it's like a bunch of. Them. That's basically the Bucks. Of the fourth quarter when a team tries to come back, like they do not allow comebacks. Like it just does. not It hasn't happened this year. Now maybe will it happen later in the year. Sure. Probably, you know. It's basketball. It's 82 games. They're not gonna be perfect on all 82 games. But yeah, the Bucks slammed the door there. Uh, what they've been doing, a couple of things that I took away from this game. Uh just the expectations are super low, man. Like right now, we talk all the time on on the shows about house money. Like the, these are house money games for the bucks And it's not just because they won a championship. Now, granted, I really don't give a shit right now about like if the Bucs win or lose like at the end of the day I think Nillis Bucks said this on Twitter yesterday like as long as they're healthy in May that's all that matters and he's absolutely right like as long as they're healthy by May this Bucks team I have no qualms about struggling I have no qualms about you know think, getting off to a slow start I have nothing that really worries me at this point so my expectation and then you add the injuries into the mix and it's house money like it it doesn't matter that much like i'm like all right if we like i didn't bet on the bucks yesterday because i i would love to bet on the bucks in the end the line was super low but i was like all right no holiday no lopez no portis because portis might have played and then he decided not to like so i'm okay with like not putting money down because i didn't know what to expect i was like okay it's all right if the bucks lose this game like it's fine like it would suck but it, it This isn't a full roster. This is a half a roster. This is the Bucks plus some G League guys. Like this Bucks team, it'd be int- that's actually an interesting discussion. Like where where would this Bucks team be in the East right now if this was their team the rest of the way? Six seed maybe, set five because the be honest Like could they be a four or five seed? I don't know. I have no idea. uh You know, it'd be interesting to see if they're still this banged up when they play Utah next Sunday. Uh, and granted it's just one game but that's the best team they play you know upcoming you know they get minnesota t- tomorrow they get san antonio on saturday so no, not two teams that maybe are fringe playoff teams and then obviously the one with utah that's a big one on sunday well, i wouldn't even go as far as a potential finals preview that's way too early, way too early for that shit way 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 too early but yeah I'm, my expectations, man, just I just want everybody to get healthy. Like that's just the biggest thing for me. like I I really don't care if Drew Holiday and Brook Lopez don't play this week. Would I like to have a back? Yeah, but would I prefer them to just fully heal up and then be ready to play for the rest of the way? Brook Lopez with a back issue. like I, I saw I think Frank Madden had this where it's like Brooke Lopez has already missed more games than last year. Uh, and it's, what, four games into the season. That's wild. Um, if that's the case, like, Brooke, hopefully he's back. Like, hopefully he can come back, and they might get Bobby Portis back for Wednesday. He was questionable uh, for, today's, for yesterday's game, and it just didn't work out. Like, he didn't end up making it. I think that Bobby should be ready for that Thursday game, or at least He's ready for that Saturday game. So I'm not entirely, that'll be a helpful to get back. I don't know the status of Semi Ogilvy. It would like to get him back too. Uh, they had Rodney Hood back yesterday. He didn't do much. I didn't play a ton. But that's still, it's nice to have another piece, right? It's nice to have another piece. And yeah, the expectations will just stay low until the Bucks get fully healthy. And once they're fully healthy, then it's like, all right, gotta keep winning games. Even though then I, I won't be I won't be like mad about any sort of malaise because like like it was said at the, a couple minutes ago, just be healthy during May, just be feeling good during May, and that's really all that matters. And if you're feeling good during May, you can win a championship again. I'm still very confident in this basketball team. Nothing has knocked my confidence in a week of NBA hoops. Other things, other thoughts from this game, uh, Grayson Allen I thought was really good tonight. Uh, best game that Grayson Allen has played uh, so far in his buck, short Bucks career. 19 points, four threes. He had a big shot at the end that sort of put it away for Milwaukee. Uh, Grayson continues to get familiar with this system and what Mike Boonholzer has for him. I don't think it will take a ton of time, obviously, because he played in a similar system with Taylor Jenkins last year. Uh, It seems like he's acclimated nicely. I don't think Grayson Allen's going to give up that starting spot anytime soon, Uh, even when Dante DiVincenzo comes back. I think that's been known for a while now, but it was nice to see Grayson produce Uh, from the field. Um, Definitely picking up guys like Pat Connton who didn't have a a great game um, and the others that are out. So it was nice to see that George Hill had a rough game as well in the starting rotation. So needed that production from Allen to win this basketball game. Uh, Middleton was really good in the first half. I thought what Chris did early on was great um, and was definitely needed. He had that crazy shot. In the corner, but yeah, Middleton was good here 27 points. He was good in San Antonio, so a nice bounce back for him after struggling against Miami. And then a near triple double for Giannis. Now, again, not the most efficient day. Giannis was 10 of 18 from the field, so it wasn't you know that most you know Giannis like game. I know there have been some who've like Giannis, you know, shooting too much, he's short on everything. I think he just needs to get his knees. Like, I know people are like, well, preseason, it's out the door now. No, it's that, one, he's playing more. Two, he's said to everybody, I'm not in shape yet. Like, I'm not fully there. And I think being short on your shot like this is a clear indication you're not there health-wise. Like, you need to have your knees. You need to have your stamina. I think Giannis just doesn't have the stamina yet for those shots. I'm okay with him shooting them. I know it can hinder the team at times, but look, you he needs to work on this in the regular season. You just need to. I think Giannis is smart enough to know that he'll go back to his bread and butter when it matters. And in games against Indiana or Minnesota or San Antonio, he can do that shit. Like I'm okay with him sort of, you know, trying to work on his craft. That's perfectly fine with me. And the guy nearly got a triple double and he had 30 points. He had 30 points. He had 10 10 rebounds, nine assists. That that's going to deliver, and that's going to be a good game for Ante Kumbo. So, Mitch and I will talk more about Bucks. We'll do some kind of first week thoughts about Milwaukee uh, on tomorrow's show. Um, talk about I'm sure the honest shot stuff. I'm sure we'll talk about the injuries and anything else. So, look forward to that, and let's talk a little Brewers. All right, we'll ride out the show with the Milwaukee Brewers. So the Milwaukee Brewers are in their off-season. off, season. Um, off season really hasn't started. Uh, it's likely that winter meetings will be canceled uh, for the first time in like 50 years as the owners plan to either lock out uh, the players or strike. It just seems like a work stoppage is inevitable. So I would tell people to enjoy baseball these next few weeks. Um, so let's not think of that. Um, let's not talk about that too much. Let's just assume that everybody does a kumbaya and they get together and they figure it out. Maybe it's a shortened season. Maybe it's not what we've had in the past. But the Brewers have some, things, some decisions to make. They, they aren't going to get Avisel Garcia back. I think everybody should make peace with that, that Avisel Garcia is not going to be a Milwaukee Brewer. He's going to sign a big fucking deal. I don't know who's going to pay him. Could it be the Yankees? Could it be the Red Sox? Could it be uh, the Astros? I'm trying to think of other, other teams that you know might be interested. But there are going to be a lot of teams that are looking to make a playoff run that are going to have Avisel Garcia in their in their offseason plans and that want to spend money because he's not going to be cheap. He's going to be a guy, he's going to get a Moustakis or a Grandal like deal. Now, this will make some Brewer fans uncomfortable, but I assure you that the Brewers have guys, whether it's Tyrone Taylor, whether potentially bumping Lorenzo Kane out there, whether it's looking at other kind of garcia like options that could be cheaper a nick castellanos is a guy that comes to mind right potentially he played right field last year um he could be a replacement and he wouldn't be as expensive as garcia at least that's what i would think um, who knows? Maybe maybe he would. And maybe the market actually isn't as good for Garcia as I believe it to be. But I think as a guy who had 29 home runs and had a career year and is 29 and models his game after Miguel Cabrera, I just think there's going to be a lot of interest. And I don't think the Brewers will be able to bring him back, but who knows? We'll see. Um, you do have the Josh Hader scenario. Now, Josh Hader, Will Salmon of The Athletic laid out the entire team. He kind of did almost like a bill simmons trade value column it was really good i recommend it if you have the athletic but he called hater a tier two guy high value either way so he broke down the mlb trade rumors arbitration tool for arbitration salaries only 12 players will command a higher price tag than josh Hader. Edwin Diaz is one of those guys, uh, but and Diaz and Hader are the same age, but Hader has outperformed Diaz. He's outperformed a guy like Liam Hendricks, who's set to make 13 million in 2022. So there's a lot of reasons to maybe move on from Josh Hader and get a big bat. Devin Williams is another one, right? You have a guy that's ready in the bullpen. I don't know if I trust Devin Williams in the closing role like I do with Josh Hader. Now, you have to remember Devin Williams is younger. You have to remember that there were times where we wondered if Josh Hader was going to hit his full potential. Remember, there were some brutal Josh Hader streaks in the past. I don't know. I I, I haven't on this one, right? Because... One part of me is like, keep Hader, just ride this out until you have to suck up the money. It's fine, it's going to be okay. You're going to need Josh Hader. Josh Hader is an important part. He's an integral part to what the Brewers do. The other part of me is like, all right, if we're priced out of Castellanos, if we're priced out of Kyle Schwarber, say there's a DH next year, we're priced out of uh, Chris Bryant, we're priced out of some of the other big name hitters, And the only way for the Brewers to get a big name bat is to make a significant trade like this one, then you got to do it. Like, trying to think, if you could get, and I don't know if they would do it, but if you could get, let's say, shit, I'm trying to think who would make sense. Like, if the Red Sox have Bobby Dahlbeck, right? And Bobby Dahlbeck, who's a first baseman. His defense is a little shaky. But to say Boston, it's a Dahlbeck, What's their Jaron Duran, who's their speedy center fielder? Maybe that's the deal. And it's like Duran, Dollback, another top prospect, maybe in the pitching staff, maybe a, a future closer, a future Josh Hader for Josh Hader. Because the Red Sox would be a team that I'd look at and be like, that's a guy that they could use. Now, the whole city's issue with racism and what happened with t- Hader's tweets would be an issue, 100%. It would be a huge storyline. The Dodgers sniffed around Hater. Remember, the Dodgers have Kenley Jansen and Kenley Jansen was great this year. But I mean, how many more years can you do this? Would you take, Ken? I don't know what Kenley Jansen makes, but would you take Kenley Jansen on the Brewers? I'm gonna look up Kenley Jansen's contract as we talk. And could you get a guy? I don't think you could get a guy like Gavin Lux. Corey Seager is a free agent next year. Uh, Corey Seager is going to go somewhere else. He's gonna get paid. It's a really good shortstop market. Uh, Corey Seager is going to get his money and they're going to move on with just Gavin Lux. So I I don't think there's any sort of scenario where Gavin Lux would join the Brewers. So I don't know if the Dodgers have the talent. I also don't know if the Brewers want to be trading for anyone to the Dodgers. The Dodgers are a pseudo rival. The Dodgers are who you're competing with. If you're going to give Josh Hader to another team, I hope it's in the AL. Like I hope it's with either the Yankees or the Red Sox who both could use a closer. Um, and both have maybe the guys that are immediate bats that could help out the Brewers. Kenley Jansen makes 18 million, or he's gonna make 20, oh, he's a free, is he a free agent? Oh, okay, so Kenley Jansen is a free agent, so that actually makes things a little interesting. So Kenley Jansen's a free agent. Uh, he just got done a five-year, $80 million deal. So the Dodgers would have some interest, but I just don't know what their what their package would be. I do think Boston makes a lot of sense. Like I I think also too, if you could tell Boston like, hey, we'll also give you Lorenzo Cain as a defensive outfielder, which Boston had issues, you know, in their outfield. I realized Kike Hernandez was really strong for them. And not necessarily defensively, but offensively at the center field position. Hernandez never was expected to play a lot of center field. He was supposed to be a second baseman. So if you could do a trade that would be like Dollback, Jaron Duran, their top prospect for Lorenzo Kane and Josh Hader. Uh man, that's that that sounds sounds alright. Like, I don't hate it. Like, would I like a guy like Raffi Devers or Xander Bogart's for sure? But do I see them really fitting with what the Brewers need right now? Not entirely. Like, I, I just I look at Luis Urias, I look at Willie Dominic, like where do you put those guys? Unless you think one of those guys can play outfield, then maybe, but I would not look at those guys as, as your dudes. And I don't think they're gonna trade Verdugo because he was part of the move. He bets trade. He seems like a star. Dolbach is a young guy. They didn't want to move from him. That's the whole reason they didn't trade for Anthony Rizzo. Caught a lot of heat in the sort of Boston area but I personally would think that the Boston Red Sox would be the top team for Josh Hader if they were to move on from him and I do I mentioned Lorenzo Cain I do think they should try to move on from Lorenzo Cain he's on an expiring deal as Salmon points out he's kind of one of his kind he's one of one it's 18 million dollars it's a lot of money but for some teams maybe it won't be Cain brings a lot from a defense from a locker room perspective I just don't know if he fits with what the Brewers are trying to do. I personally would like to see Tyrone Taylor take over that position. I also think, you know, time is sort of running out on Corey Ray. The Brewers haven't really seen what they have there. Maybe they just don't have anything. And maybe he's a bust. That happens more with baseball than any other sport. I don't know. But there's a lot of, a lot of interesting stuff there. And definitely something that that I think could could be a storyline in the offseason. But I do I do kind of want to. Now that I think about it, I might have four topics for Mitch today. When I talk second half Packer storylines, Bucks first week overreactions, I want to talk about if the if Badger fans would be okay with a Big Ten West like the Badgers could really. I know I talked about it very briefly on Monday's show, so I hate to go back. So maybe I won't do it. But you know, the Badgers all of a sudden could be Big Ten West champions, and all of a sudden this season becomes a a success out of nowhere. And then lastly, uh, you know, the lockout enjoying baseball. But we'll, I'll figure that out. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you what, maybe a little feedback. If you thought that my Badger topic was a little light on Monday, maybe I'll go back and listen to see how much I talked about it. I don't think I did too much, so we'll see. All right. Got to go. Uh, rate, review, subscribe. Follow us on all the socials, Tabby the keg Sports on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, Tabby the Keg. Um, so follow us on all those follow us on one we appreciate all the support all the love all the feedback uh you guys are the best so take care have a good tuesday we're back tomorrow see you bye